The Red 78. The most important thing was the intensity and the mentality to go after the game. As a coach, why did he only give away nine penalties this week? Available every Wednesday. Don't miss a moment of action. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. OTB AM with Gillette in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent mode. Now I'm delighted to say Joey Malone is with us. He's part of the Shelburne coaching ticket that is hurtling towards the end of the Women's National League season and then the Women's Cup final the week after. Uh, exciting times, Joey. Oh, really, really exciting. I mean, I was just, uh, there's a great buzz around with the, the camp with the girls uh, training last night, and uh, I think everyone's looking forward to it. It's been a been a long hard season. But it's great to be in contention for two trophies and um, really looking forward to it. So you were league champions last year in fairly dramatic fashion on the last day of the season. Potential for lightning strike twice. Yeah, it's 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 great for us to be in that position now. Um, we we had a little bit of a slip up after the European uh, European campaign and, and lost a couple of points. But it's great to be going down to Wexford with a, a chance of uh, winning the league. Uh, a draw might do us, but um, certainly a win will. So it, just for anybody who's, who's um, tuning into this, and there's a good chance you'll pick up a lot of bandwagon fans uh, in the last week, given um, how exciting it is. What are the permutations? Oh, I mean, the, the, the permutations is that we, we've we've looked at the, the league uh, as well as maybe about four or five weeks ago and looked at, at the way the, the, the point system that was going. And we were kind of thinking that we could be going to Wexford maybe a point ahead if we can win our, our four games. And that's what we've done. Um, now we're looking at like uh, a win on Saturday. We'll definitely win, win the league for us. And look, and depending on the result between Bohemians and Athlone, a draw might be enough. So you guys have fifty-seven points. Wexford Youths, who you're playing, yep. have fifty-six, and Athlone are on fifty-five. If you guys draw, if Shells and, and Wexford draw, the, yep. and, and Athlone win, yeah, then uh, yourselves and Athlone will be on the same points. Yeah, and and that's going to be a playoff, and I believe um, they've already made a decision that's going to be the Wednesday before the cup final, which will be which will be a lot, you know. But um, at the end of the day, it's it could be Athlone on, on the Wednesday and then Athlone on Sunday in the cup final. Right. Okay. So obviously, uh, competition is really intense. P Mount, who you beat on the last day of the season last year, are only four points behind you guys at the top of the table as well. So there's obviously four really good sides in the league who've been duking it out. Yeah, I mean, look, the league had, the league has improved so much from last season. There was a, those three or four teams where you'd say, "Well, that's three points where you, you can beat them." And but when you look at the improvement that Atlone has made this season, what what, what great strides they've made. Um, obviously, uh, the other teams, the likes of Cox, who who are poor at the start of the season, but really improved. I think the league in general is is improving immensely, and um, obviously with the, the girls qualifying for the the World Cup, it's going to enhance the league even further. And um, does I think the FEI and and the CEO Jonathan Hill and, and Max Gallon, the director of the league, um, should be looking at it now trying to get onto you to uh, UEFA, which we've been asking to deem the league a professional league, which will be which will attract players not only for us, but the other thing is to stop us losing players. We've lost seven internationals from a from a calendar year from July twenty one to July twenty two. We've lost seven full internationals out of our starting eleven. And and I think um, and they've gone for free and we mean between the UEFA and the FIFA and the FIFA compensation. I think that will stop that okay. and obviously help the league to come on. Okay, I didn't realise it. So the designation would actually mean that players wouldn't just be allowed to be cherry picked. They the the picking clubs. They're largely English clubs, I suspect. Are they? Yeah, it's, it's the English. I mean, we, we've lost. We just recently lost Jess Sue there in July, and and, uh, and Sasha Noonan as well, and, and Chloe Mustaki, who are all internationals to English clubs. And, and Shelburne got no compensation fee for it, but it was in the boys' side of the game. 
there'll be compensation. I mean, if you look at Gavin Bazuma, who went for a couple of hundred thousands, and then all of a sudden he's, he gets a move to Southampton and, and Shamrock Rovers are, are up a million. And I think that type of money that's gone around in the, in the men's game um, should be going around in the women's game as well. I mean, the, the English Football League now have deemed themselves the best league in the world, the women's football. So, I mean, if they're going to be taking players from the likes of ourselves and, and Piemont and Cork or Galway and like that, there should be some compensation. So, hopefully, I mean, the, the girls qualifying for the World Cup now will will give the, the FAI a little bit of a push to get all this work done uh, with FIFA and UEFA. That sort of thing probably is crossing your mind when you have a, a, a talent like Abby Larkin in the team as well, who's 17. I mean, I know she scored the two goals against Sligo at the last day out to kind of set up this, this showdown in the final day, but yeah. hard to believe like, she's born in 2005 and yet she has had such an impact on both yourselves and the national team as well. Yeah, I mean, it's like forward to be like a full senior international at, at just turning 17. And uh, we've got like Jesse Stapleton as well, who's been in the international setup. And um, they, they've been, I mean, both of them made their debuts at 16 years of age and, and played a good part in was winning the league last year and they're also playing a good part this year and we've got young uh, Leo O'Leary and um, coming through the international setup as well as like she's still only 16 made a debut of 15 last year and so we've got some good young players um, coming through and you know when you, when you take the amount of players that we've lost what, what a fantastic season the girls are having to be able to win the league last year lose 7 of the of, of your, your starting 11 and still be in contention for league and cup double it's a great achievement for, for, the, for the girls and Obviously, the, the, the coach and the management team as well. They have to put all this in place. So it's been it's been great season. And look, the young girls that are coming through, and there's still more young girls coming through. Are under 17s are in the final on Sunday, and um, they, they've they've got some decent players coming through. So I think the club is in, in a good state at the moment. I know Vera Powell has spoken about you know seeing the likes of Katie McCabe and these girls on on billboards and buses you know in the last year yeah. or two, and how the I guess the interest has increased um, dramatically. Uh, have you noticed similar in terms of the women's national league? Do you think interest? And I know TG Carr having cameras down at matches, for mm-hmm. example, helps this. But yeah. has the interest and uh, I guess the way in which the league is headed? Uh, been to your satisfaction like is, is it going in the right direction yeah I think it's going in the, in the right direction and uh, I mean as I said obviously the, the international team is, is a great influence on, on the national league but we have noticed a difference with the supporters even the Shells men supporters are, are, a lot of them are coming to the games I think there's about I think there's five or six buses already booked out to go to Wexford on, on Saturday so there is a great interest and obviously they, they, I mean the likes yourselves and the shows here and, and, and the TG Carters and, and obviously RTE too showing the, the cup final live as well it's going to be a big help to the game but I think the big influence will be the international come next May, next June when I think we might get ole 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 and all that kind of stuff going on in the pubs right around the country I think I think the Irish supporters will actually get behind the girls team and I think that we might get that kind of pubs scene again where people will be roaring and shouting at the televisions and the screens and all that type of so yeah it's, it's just, there's a lot of influences going around at the moment and I think the, the improvement in the National League and the professionalism of the girls you know like, I mean, when you I mean, I've coached men's teams a lot down through the years, and um, but I think the, the, the girls are, are great. They're they, they're enthusiastic and and they they put a hell of a lot into it, and they listen to you, and they take everything on board. And and I, and I think it's as I said, the, the national league can only get better. It's I think it's got better this year from from the last season, and I think there's going to be more improvement. Like the Bohemians, um, Sean Warren there, and Graham Kelly at uh, DLR will certainly be pushing again to try get into that top three or top four. And obviously you've got the, the Cork Cork influence as well, and Galway, and it's good to see that Galway got themselves sorted out as well for next season. What uh, what do you think is the the 
biggest level of improvement? Where is it coming from? Is it just the the quality of preparation and the the professionalism in the, the backroom teams? Like, because uh, you know the Galway situation was um, was definitely something that kind of raised the the profile of how difficult it's going to be into the future to make sure that everything washes its face and pays for itself. But at the same time, once that starts to happen the standard begins to, to rise. Yeah, I, I think it's, I mean, what you've said, the first part was, I mean, the preparation and the professionalism of that preparation. And I also I also believe that you, you need the likes of the owners like Andrew Doyle at Shelburne and, and the, the CEO, David Connor. I mean, they've put the resources in place for, for us to... to to make it as professional as we can. And I think, obviously, Damien Duff coming into the men's senior team as manager has helped the club as well. And, I mean, what a fantastic season it is for the club to have two, two teams in the cup finals. And I think it can, that can only get better. We can only get better um, by, first of all, maybe trying to keep our players a little bit longer, you know, and stop the, the players going, going to England. Maybe the professionalism needs to come into the girls even a little bit more where we can have them on at least part-time professional contracts. Yeah. And to, to stop this, the drain of the of the quality players going out of the league. I mean, if you look, as I said, over the last two seasons now, we've lost seven internationals. And there's a couple of club, clubs in the league would have lost one or two players for different reasons. So, I think um, the preparation and the professionalism that is there at the moment can improve. And once that improves, I think the level the level of the standard of the league will improve, and you'll probably have six teams. Not just two or three uh, looking for, the, for to be the top of the leagues or going for the trophies. When somebody like Heather O'Reilly um, comes over to play with you guys, and there's just kind of relatively global attention, American um, uh, sports media were interested in. Okay, it's a bit random. Uh, Olympic winner, World Cup winner, World Cup winner <laughs> coming to coming to play, coming out of retirement to play. What was that like? It was it was unreal. You know, like I think the girls were, were amazed by the whole thing and. Uh, when Heather arrived on, on, the, on the day she did arrive, uh, to, we obviously the, the cameras were out and um, RTE were there and, and TV3 and, and yourselves and at News Talk. Were, it was it was kind of high profile stuff to have have such a player, such stature coming to play for Shelbourne. Um, certainly, certainly improved um, the profile of the club, and and she didn't come just to be just to be like that, just as a as a. Like something just to, to improve the profile of the club. She came to play and and, and played well, and uh, obviously scored a goal in Europe for us as well. Um, and, and players like her coming to the league um, will certainly be a great boost. And we were already talking to her about some players as well that that she could maybe do a job for us. And when she does go back to America, that she could look out for players for us. And um, I think that's that bringing that type of player into into any club is obviously going to raise the profile and and she's fantastic with the girls she's she's uh, she's unbelievable in the dressing room and that training sessions and and uh, certainly the young players that that are there at the moment are looking up to her and I think when she arrived I think everyone just looked up to her it's amazing, amazing to have a player like her coming to play for us yeah the long term impact of the on the culture of like the younger players seeing that and and realizing that like uh you you're you're not that far away from players who have been at the very top of the game in terms of your own game and your own ambition. Yeah, I think that's when when, when No King took the job and, and asked me to come along and, and we sat down last year and we, we said, look, we, we you know to bring the, the club where we want to bring it to, we, we want to bring the club to, to not only to win in leagues but to, to actually doing well in, in European competition. Winning the league last year was probably a little year ahead of schedule and um, which was great. And so we, we got the European adventure and we've learned from it. 
and and I think our, our goal now is is to win the league now, have a go at Europe, getting into the the group stages, which will obviously um, bring more profile to the club, and and bring a little bit more professionalism as well, and and and, and people out there really the good players around around the around Europe or even around the world will know that I mean Shelburne are a team that would be it'd be worth playing for. So that's that's where we are, and that's where we are in our plan uh, for our it was kind of twenty one to twenty five type of plan. So. And now it's when we when we got it under under um, when we got the European venture last year. It came as I said, it came a little bit early, but that's what that's our plan for the future. Hopefully, that we can put a team out there that will obviously not only do well at home but do well internationally as well. There must be some balls around the club, Joey, when you consider your, the women's team success and you have Damien Duff uh, doing good things with the men's team as well. Like, is there much uh, crossover and support between between Duffer's team and and the, the women's team as well? Yeah, it's, there's not a lot because obviously they train most of the mornings and we train we, we train three nights a week. Our session is Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and we play Saturday. And then obviously the, the, the men's team are training their full time. Um, but I mean, I know Damien is is is, uh, is always like he's he's tries to get to a couple of our games, and I'm sure he'll be at our cup final as well. He was at our cup final last year, and I'm sure himself and and, and the lads would um, be giving sending best wishes to the girls and that type of stuff. So, um, and obviously we we'll be doing the same for them. They'll be coming to our final. I hope I hope a lot of the lads will come to our final. Oh, sorry, they won't be able to because they're playing a match that day, which is a little bit unusual for to have a match on matches on the same day as the Women's Cup final. But, um, but I mean, I'm no doubt they'll be sending the best wishes. And Damien is a great influence around the club. Like he's 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 well, like what a player he was, what a fantastic international player he was as well. And it's great to have him at Shelburne. And and as I said, fair play to Andrew Doyle and and the, the, the owners and directors and, yeah. and they're kind of bringing them. The um, the atmosphere at Talca is carried right across the north side of the city whenever um, the men's team are playing at the moment. There's been kind of an awakening of the club since relegation and since the. Uh, Save Talca Park movement kind of that was a proper grassroots movement that obviously the, the club needed to reflect and put uh, structures in place it, it feels like that there's a proper community vibe about the club at the moment yeah it, there's a fantastic community vibe around, around the club and, and I think you know, for, for certainly in the last year or two, they've got the academies right, both them, them, the, the men's and the, and the women's and the young kids and the academies coming through is very professional um, they they a lot of younger teams when we were training in the AOL they they were all up there as well and and I think the the whole I think I think the the local community all around has has, has kind of bought into what Shelburne are trying to do and and keeping Tolka Park I think is is a major major thing step for the club and um Hopefully they they'll be able to get the money to uh, improve the ground to, to certain sections of the ground that needs to be improved. But um, overall, I think the club is in is in good hands at the moment, and uh, uh, the only way is up. And, and I think the, the the senior men's team will it will it's a great season for them. They've they've a mid table position, and I think they'll they'll get a couple of players in that would could be challenging for trophies next year. So and, and I think the women's the women's section of the of the game of the club is is very strong. We've got some very good young underage managers as well, and some good. Coaches come through, and um, and we've got some players in the team that are uh, getting it just over toward you. Are doing their coaching badges as well, and, and I'm sure they'll be they'll be working with the club for the next few years. Even when they do stop playing, they'll be they'll be taking up coaching roles. When you're talking there, Joey, about uh, Abby Larkin and the young players and trying to nurture them and bring them through, like uh, you, you might tell us a little bit about uh, a <clears throat> good friend of yours, Paul McGrath, and and you know from your own career, was it Charlie Walker? Yeah, Charlie, Charlie. Um, I was captain of, of Pats. We, we played in the cup final in 1980, and then uh, we were beaten by Warford. And then the following pre-season, uh, Charlie made me captain, and 
he brought this young black lad in into the dressing room and uh, very short and very quiet and he said he just got and he said he came over to me and said look I want you to look after him and so like I immediately went over and sat talking to him and brought him in and he said, as I said he was very quiet and shy and and uh, and he played like we Charlie was played him centre forward at first and and then played him in centre midfield and he was just doing okay in in those two positions and. Um, there was one game we were playing. I think it was we were home to Limerick, and, and you know, you know, at the top of Patsway, we'd go down the steps to the dressing room, the old way into the old dressing rooms. And Charlie called me, and he said, "Look, we said um, the lad McGrath, he hasn't been doing great, and all that." And I said, "Charlie, you're playing him in the wrong position. Play him centre half with me. He needs someone talking to him in his ear and that type of stuff." And Charlie said to me, "Well, if he doesn't do it today, he's on his bike." <laughs> that was the club, the club, the board, the directors are not happy, and. But he, he came and played centre half that day with me, and, and um, he was immense. He was fantastic, and uh, straight away, he, oh, that right, first game, just maybe a centre forward, he didn't do great. That midfield, he didn't do great. But then when he played centre half, like he was a big son. His headers used to go 30, 40 yards up the pitch, and his reading of the game was was fantastic. And then he had me shouting in his ear behind him at the time. So anything he didn't get, I cleaned up at the back and made it, made the sweeper's job nice and handy, <laughs> having Paul McGrath in front of you. And he he just <coughs> went from from that game on. He, he just went. He was immense. He was getting player of the month and. Uh, his tackling, his, his famous tackling was someone getting ahead of him and then just getting around him, the win, winning the ball, and the player would go up in the air and over and off he'd come. And he, he he became like he became an unbelievable player within within a couple of weeks. And like, that quick, yeah. He kind of got from that stage where Charlie was saying, "Well, if he's not doing it today, he's on his bike." To um, how long can we being, keep him? Being like all of a sudden he's getting player of the month and English clubs are interested in him and all that time. and I, I said it to Charlie a few weeks later I said we won't have him for long I said like there's, there's definitely only English clubs taking him and he was a Chelsea supporter but he um, Man United were, were interested in him and, and I think uh, there was one or two other clubs uh, interested in him as well and, and obviously you know we know he, he went to Manchester United but he How was, long was he at Pats? I don't know He, he was literally a, a season um a season and a bit, I think. Yeah, a season and a bit, and then all of a sudden it's it's Manchester United, and um, but then like I was on the phone to him all the time, and he was out over to Manchester, and he told me like they they're not paying me much more than I'm getting uh, between this job here in in Dublin and this job with it uh, and the few bobbies getting all bats. Man, you know, weren't offering him much much more, <laughs> which seemed a little bit crazy to me, and, and I was because Charlie had gone over and the chairman had gone over, and I said, well, make sure he's look after him and get him a good deal, and. Um, but um, Ron Axon came into to the room and, and um, after they had a chat and they talked about the money and all that type of stuff, he said, um, he said oh, well, if you, you want to go back to Pats? And he went, that was the only word he said to him. And he, and he went, no, 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 no. So <laughs> he obviously agreed to sign then. But look, he, he, he was always going to be, <clears throat> excuse me, he was always going to be a top player. Um, and his, his, rise, his rise to start and what didn't take too long and I mean, obviously the Manchester United crowd talked to him a big time and um, and then obviously like the few years of Manchester United he, he had a bit of success and I went to the, to the Forge Cup final he had sent me tickets over and he sent me but I went over and, and, and unfortunately other things happened as we all know like along the way the, the, the kind of drinking thing and himself and Norman Whiteside and Alex Ferguson didn't like it and um, I don't think he was, I think he knew he wasn't going to be too long there at Manchester once Alex Ferguson took over and um, he, he he phoned me one day one night and said that Alex Ferry wants him to uh, because of all his knee injuries and all that to to actually go like maybe pack in the game and, and take a 
the insurance and that type of stuff. And I said, don't you dare do that. You know, like, you've still a lot of years to go, especially with the international team as well. And, and um, with that, um, Graham Taylor from Aston Villa came in from, and like, like what, what an unbelievable five seasons after, like, first three or four seasons with Aston Villa. Like, yeah. Like when I was in his house, like he, he, like the amount of player man of the match trophies that he has around the place for playing for Aston Villa, and he obviously got player of the year as well in England. So, he, and then went on to play with such a starting role in the nineteen ninety and nineteen ninety four World Cups for for Ireland. And you know, as I said, on one hand you had Alex Rajan asking him to retire, and then in the second, it's like all of a sudden he's he's winning player of the year in England. He's player the best player for Ireland in the World Cup and. Um, he, he's he's had an unbelievable career despite all the, all the problems he's had along the way. Um, he's had an unbelievable career, and he's you know when when you talk about some of the best players that's ever played for Ireland, he'll certainly be in in that top ten. I'd say, I'd say he's at the top. <laughs> I'd say he's right there at Roy Keane because of what he did yeah. in the World Cups, you know, like and because because of the, the problems, the, the knee injuries and all that. Like, um, I. Yeah, he's had, he's had a lot. I mean, he, you know, the, the amount of problems that he's had with his knee, and, and you, you know, at Aston Villa, he, he spent more time in the gym than he did on the pitch because it was always, and they looked after him really well, and like he, he was kind of wrapped in cotton wool type of stuff. That's the way they, they treated him at Aston Villa, and um, there, there was uh, there was a lot of games where where he didn't he didn't feel right with his knee, and you know, the physio had done a bit of walking him, and he'd say, I don't know what I can play today, and the, the physio would talk him, and no, you're okay, and he'd get man of the match, yeah. you know, that type of stuff. So, he, he's, um, he, the, I think the problems with the knees, and, and, and obviously his, his, uh, his early up, coming up as a kid in the foster homes and all that, you know, there was a, there was a lot for, to do what he'd done, coming through all that kind of foster home situation, and that type of stuff, and, um, was immense and what a great story and I think most people that would have read his book would know that like it wasn't always like sunshine and glory it mm. was a lot of hard times along the way and, and for him to to overcome all that and be the player he was it was fantastic In terms of the, the best players you played against like I was looking at um, your time with Dundalk yeah. 87 Ajax yeah. with the Cup Winners Cup champions like I, was, I was looking at the Ajax team there last night <laughs> I mean Van Basten yeah. uh, Frank Reichard a 17 year old Brian Roy yeah. like 40 odd thousand people there as well Like, what, what was that experience oh, like? it was like unbelievable I mean it was it was it was it was the one time in, in, in like a day you get as a League of Ireland player to be a full time player for a week because you're going away early in the week and you're, you're staying in nice hotels and you're training and in the daytime rather than two nights a week and Saturday morning and playing Sunday it was like uh it was us being professional week, and then when when we went when we when we drew Ajax, we said, "Yo, and Cruyff to manager, and, and all the players you're talking about, Frank Rijkaard. I think Dennis Bergkamp was only a sub, mm. uh, and uh, but we we trained the night before on the pitch, and it was like someone was at the knitting all the grass together. It was it was so tight and so lovely. It was like a carpet, and we because we were we were playing. Sometimes you could play in our season, and you go down to Warford to Kilcona Park, and there'd be muck, <laughs> and you you put your foot in, and your, your football boot would nearly come off. And <laughs> so to come to this fantastic manicured pitch was unreal. And then um, we we played obviously the next night, and it was the first time I've seen all you know, these big flags that come down on the top of the heads of people and behind one of the goals, it nearly takes up the whole stand. And yeah. it was like it was amazing to see this coming through. And then. Well, you know, all of a sudden we're, we're, we're playing against this unbelievable international. I mean, they had eight full-time international, full Holland internationals in their starting eleven, and it was like Roy Card was unreal, and and uh, Arnold Muren was playing, who had been at Man United, <laughs> right? And, um, 
Roy Card one side of Muren in the centre and then you had Naiskins and Van Skip and like oh un- unreal and uh the the captain of Holland was, was, was the captain of Ajax as well and it was like but it was like they had the ball all the time. We we were just defending. I think I had it about three hundred balls out, like diving <laughs> headers and this that. Because they'd come to the area box and, and they wouldn't shoot. They'd go out wide and get in and try get. Because we were tight with with nearly all eleven Templars and Alan O'Neill right in, nearly in the eighteen yard box. And but we, to be fair to us, we we done really well. I think it was like twenty nil all with twenty three minutes to go and a half time nil all going in. The, the, the fans were booing them. And, right. Yeah, because they were the, the previous uh, European Cup winners. Cup they won it that and they brought it that trophy out on the pitch before the game and all that so here we are playing against one of the top teams in Europe and we're nil all at half time and it's now it's tough but it's, uh, it was great and then obviously the, the, the first goal was an OG hit off the back of Roy Carter to Sean hit off Larry Wise's ankle and spun up and you couldn't have placed it in the top corner as to where it went in and that was the first goal that broke it and um, I think Frank Stabling got either the second or the third Frank Stabling only had time for them that season they got a second or third and uh, we ended up losing four 0 but it was only in the in the last like as I said twenty two I think it was sixty third or sixty four, sixty six, seventh minute when they got what they got the goal, the divorce goal. So but it was it was great. It was great to play in a in a stadium like that against a team like that and and obviously they, they bet us two 0 Another OG Paul knew with a twenty yard back pass over <laughs> Alan O'Neill's head in the in the game in Oriel Park, we lost it two 0 But like a great experience. I mean, Europe. I mean, you can see Sean McCraw was present at the moment. I mean, what it's what it's done for them and how it's brought the club on. And um, I think I was just reading in, in in the past coming into the car, Shelburne back in 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 the, the was it the two thousand and the, the the run they had and the money that it brought into the club. And yeah, the Deportivo. Kind of yeah, Deportivo. Yeah, and it was like they were so close. And like European money now is is big. And it helps to develop the League of Ireland clubs big time, and and I think that's where 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 Shelburne now need to be. They need to be. I mean, that's the next move for Damien now to bring players in that will get them into that European stages. And then uh, obviously we ourselves with the women. That's what we want as well. We want to be. I mean, if we'd have qualified for the European stages this year, I think we would have brought half a million mm. just for qualifying for the stages. So yeah. that half a million coming into the women's game would, would be unbelievable, and, and would help us get. The goal we've, as I said, we've we've a plan to bring us twenty four to twenty five, and I think bring, qualifying for Europe and bringing that type of money into the women's section of the game, we transformative really, yeah, big yeah. time. I mean, and you're, you're talking about, I mean, we Noel has got good context from his time as manager of uh, the women's senior team and the men's under twenty ones, and he's, he's obviously done the senior men's team for a couple of games, so he's got some contacts around around Europe where all of a sudden instead of us losing players you're that is players draining in. the league of Ireland of good quality players, we could not long if we lose them we can bring some in and we can have talks with, with the likes of Man United or Man City or Liverpool or Arsenal even to players that are on the fringe that could be coming towards we can't even bring players in on loan from clubs like that because we're not a professional league Right. so the first thing that the FAI and Mark uh, Scanlon and, and Jonathan Hill needs to do and we, as I said to you earlier in, in, in the chat that they need to deem the, the league professional so that we the, the, the kind of kind of plan that we have for Shelbourne can be achieved 
and, 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 and even further. Are they close to doing that? Are they, are they well, listening they, to you they, when you they, say they, that to them? Uh, they've been said, they're saying they're talking, they have it in the processes is in place, but I'm saying, well, why is it taking so long? I mean, for me, it should be just send a letter to... No, we, we've decided be, this, yeah. I think in this day and age, it should be that simple that you you're, you're, you kind of fill out a form, send it to UEFA. We want to deem the, the Women's National League a professional league and, and let us get on with it then because we want our teams to be able to achieve uh, like high positions in Europe. Not only that, but we also want we also want another competition for the women's football. I mean, the men's have three competitions. They've got the, the European, the Champions League, the, the Conference the League, UEFA and the League, and, League, and the Conference yeah. League as well. So, and the, the women only have one. So, I mean, whoever finishes runners up in our league should be going into a European competition. Whoever wins our FAI Cup should be going into a, a European competition. And that's where the, the FAI need, need to be. They need to be having those conversations so that we can bring this league on. I mean, those those. Story I read in, in one of the UA or the FAI, it was a UA for conference, and the a, a past player in England, probably a well known player, I can remember the name at the moment, but she said the the only reason why they have, they are hosting the European and winning the European uh, Nations League at women's level was because they deemed that the league professional. Up to that, you had girls getting a bus, to, you know, and, and getting a bus to to train them. Paying, paying fees and paying subs at, at Arsenal and Man City and yeah. clubs like that. She said, no, since we, we made the league professional league, we are now the best league in the world. And we, I'm not saying that the, the National League in Ireland is going to be one of the best leagues well, in the could, world. Could, but but we can that. certainly come along and, and keep our players here, keep our best players here, which will help the international team. And, and also bring players in from, from abroad to help us achieve our goal, which is to qualify for the European stages the, of the, the league stages of the Champions League. Yeah. You're a bit of a legend in, in Monaghan, Joey, as well. I know uh, in my, that's my home club, Monaghan. Oh, yeah. But uh, the Billy Baxter line <laughs> yeah, is still up Billy there. Yeah, Billy Baxter days. Uh, what happened? I was actually at the start of the season. It was a mad, mad season. I left Galway uh, as player manager. I, I um, went to Longford. And then uh, Warford asked me, Alfie Hale asked me, would I go to Warford halfway through the season? Well, about a way through the season. And I went to Warford. And then they ran into financial difficulties with it. So with about two months ago, um, it was it was in the papers that I had to leave Warford because they couldn't afford to, to uh, with the finance and stuff. So Billy Baxter rang me and I went to Monaghan. And we ended up uh, qualifying or getting promoted to the to the Premier Division that, that year. And, um, and that season was the, the fourth season. They tried the six and six. Do you remember that? Can they, yeah, where they yeah. Probably yeah. you probably don't remember it was like uh, they, they split the league like the SPL Monaghan was, Monaghan was great it was, it was great it was um, unbelievable volunteer workers you know I mean it's it's great to, when you go to clubs like that the amount of volunteer workers that, that give their time and all it was fantastic but it's a pretty Monaghan didn't, didn't stay in the league because um, they, were, they, were really, they were a good club to play for Joey great stuff we could listen to you all day thanks a million that yeah, was brilliant football, very, very wide ranging but um, I think that that passionate call for the FAI to make the league professional is something we'll definitely follow up on so best of luck this week and then in the cup final as well whatever yeah, happens yeah I really appreciate it. if you keep that up it'll be great you know that's um, it's, uh, it's, it's something that I think will, will certainly be worthwhile for the league OTB AM with Gillette in association with Movember Effortless Shave Magnificent Mo.